DBM delivers experiences that go beyond the ordinary and suspend reality. From powerful loudspeakers and state-of-the-art projection systems to acoustic treatment and screens, DBM partners with pioneering brands including Barco Residential, Complete Acoustic Treatment Systems, Display Technologies, Waterfall Audio and Meridian Audio to give you the very best high-performance products for your home cinema projects. Like you, we're committed to achieving excellence. Visit distributedbym.com to find out more. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Integrated Home, the podcast that's produced by the Home Integration Community for the Home Integration Community. My name is Jeff Hayward, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about doing business overseas. How do you manage international projects from the UK? How difficult is it to do that in the current situation? And what advice is there for integrators challenged with working in another country? Welcome to The Integrated Home. Today, we're joined by Rory Hackett from Communitech and Phil Cotton from IdeaWorks. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Hi. Uh, Rory, do you want to go first and just say a few words about you and Communitech? Sure. Uh, So Communitech was founded in 2010, um, founded by myself. We started out really as an IT support business and grew into the smart home automation uh, space about seven years ago. Based in Marlebone, central London, um, but uh, lots of most of our projects are in and around the London area, but we're uh, expanding rapidly and uh, looking at overseas. Very good. And Phil, what about you? So, yeah, uh, I'm Phil Cotton. I've been in the home automation industry for over 15 years. Uh, for 10 of those, I was a director and co-owner of Finite Solutions, and now I'm the commercial director at IdeaWorks. IdeaWorks was established 35 years ago, and we're now a team of 150 amazing people split between our offices in central London, Kent, Monaco, Amsterdam and Hamburg. And just talking about that, Phil, how much of the work you're doing now is UK based as as opposed to overseas, would you say? So our our business is split pretty much 50-50 between residential and marine. Um, And of the residential, 25% of that is overseas. Okay, cool. And what about you, Rory? What's your, you, you talked about expanding. Is that expanding overseas as well? Yeah, it it is exactly. Um, at the moment, about 80% of our work is in the UK and 20% is overseas. Uh, we've recently opened an office in LA um, because of the connection between uh, the UK and California in particular. Um, and we're hoping that that will shift. Um, you know, I'd like, to, I'd like to see a 50-50 split in the, over the next couple of years, but we'll see what happens. Um, was that a big decision to open on an office in LA? That's, that's kind, of, kind of like you don't hear many UK integrators going to the US and opening. Well, they say when you crack America that you've you've done it right. So that's kind of where my uh, aspirations lie. But no, ultimately it came out of the fact that we I have quite a few connections over in California, and we have quite a few media clients in the UK. And there was a bit of a call really for um, some of our clients here who are music artists and involved in film and things like that a lot of them are based in LA a good amount of the time and have second homes or you know they consider that home in the UK is their their second home Um, and so really it was about um, trying to service those clients in particular 
um, as I said, between those between the two cities. That, that was the logic, really. Okay. No, I think I think that's really interesting. I mean, I I think it'd be fair to say that 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 British people would probably prefer buying from a British supplier rather than using anybody new and local where it's, it's different. You, you say that. I mean, if you think about most of the products that we buy, they're actually from US suppliers. Um, but what we do, and I'm I'm sure Phil will agree with this, is that working with an integrator is quite a personal thing now. Uh, it maybe used to be a little bit more arm's length, but I think that working with you know an interior designer or an architect is very personal. And technology is becoming similar in that people really want something, so they want a solution which um, is bespoke. And a lot of that comes from integrators which get to want, get to know the clients and understand how they work. So a lot of our projects that are coming from you know are coming out of the US um, are second, as I said, second homes where we built or built a system here in London or in the UK. And um, they said, like, I, I want the system in the US to match. I want my other home to be exactly the same. I'm sure Phil will agree that Marine is probably quite similar. People have homes in, you know, Belgravia and then they want to have the sim a similar system on their yacht. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, uh, you know, our client base is, is international and anyone who has an international client base uh, will know once a client knows and trusts you, uh, they'll want the same uh, user interface or control platform. Uh, in each of their homes uh, and yachts. So uh, we're currently working in France, Switzerland, Kuwait, Turkey, Monaco, Sweden, Ukraine. Um, so quite a quite a few places. And these are all clients who we've done their London home for initially. Do you think what Rory was saying about the the way that technology is now? It, it kind of allows you to be more bespoke and deliver that kind of tailored solution in a in an easier way than perhaps ten ten years ago, maybe. I just think I think the um, expectation is there, and I think um, the USA and the UK are the largest markets, the most developed markets in uh, in home automation. Um, but the popularity is permeating through the whole of the EMEA region and the rest of the world. And I think when you let your clients know that you can have the same system in multiple locations, they'll not look for a local integrator, but actually work with the same company at each property. It's probably not that easy for a local integrator to to try and copy what somebody like IdeaWorks or, or Community Tech has done, is it? I don't know about you, Phil, but I actually we're not Crestron integrators. We we, we bucked the trend a little, um, and we focused our energy on Savant as our control system. Uh, so by doing that, um, the interface is actually the same in in large um, across all of the systems anyway. So there's not any sort of custom elements involved in in producing an interface which looks like the same looks like the same thing from one home to another okay so yeah we've uh, we have a we work with uh, crestron as our backbone and video distribution typically uh, but then we have our own um, custom control platform uh, that we've developed ourselves uh, called mesh which runs on android devices um and yeah and that's that's quite unique quite unique to ideaworks oh, completely unique to ideaworks um and so uh, once a client's had it and, and likes it um yes they want to roll it out across across all their homes and have either of you had experience of working with local integrators and being slightly dissatisfied, perhaps, and thinking there's an opportunity here? Phil? We have, actually. Um, I don't know about dissatisfied, but just um, uh, it's challenging. We, we had a client who had a, an, an apartment in New York, and they had a local integrator do the system, but they wanted the mesh platform. And so we tried to work with them to make it uh, so that they could use it um, without sharing all the IP of it. Um, and there was a, a steep learning curve to go through, um, but we managed it and, uh, and the client was left happy. 
Um, but now we have another opportunity in New York and we're looking to, uh, uh, to deliver it completely ourselves. Okay. What about you, Rory? Um, again, we, yeah, we've sort of uh, erred on the side of caution in the same way that it sounds like Phil has, that we, uh, we, we use local teams for things that we don't need to get involved in. Things like pre-wires of homes, there's just no real sense in us having any, any of our engineers do it. So we employ local companies. And we have some really good partners now in California who, who can do that for us um, to bring the system pretty much all the way up to the final stages. And then largely what we'll do is we will we'll send a team, um, you know, circumstances permitting, uh, to, to do that final install and commission. And then we have local teams on the ground who can help with support where necessary. Although these days, you know, nine out of 10 problems can be solved remotely anyway. I'd suggest that we're probably going to get stuck in all the boring technical detail of regulations, tax company, status, whatever, whatever, whatever. I mean, those must be barriers to go through, Phil. Do you know what? For a short term uh, project that you can go in, do the job and then come home again, um, there's not too much red tape to have to go through. Um, but if you're going to be in, a, in another country for uh, over 12 months, there's a danger that you'll form something called a permanent establishment, which is where you then are potentially liable to local taxes uh, and, uh, and other, other bureaucracy that you have to go through. So um, for smaller jobs, just go for it. And what about you, Rory? We're setting up an office in California. I mean, I'd imagine there's a bit of red tape to go through. I mean, crikey, you've probably got a wall to scale as well, haven't you? <laughs> yes, a, a, yeah, a, a theoretical one. No, actually, we, we set up the LL. We have a separate entity in the US um, with, with knowing about all of this being a potential problem. Um, and actually, some of, my, so, some, some of the older clients that we have in the US, going back some years now, um, we, we did all of that through a, a company we registered over there. So for us, it's actually been fairly straightforward. Um, the most recent challenge when actually hiring somebody full time, there's a lot of work involved in doing that. Uh, so but that's it's all behind us now. Uh, and it's all been a really, really useful and good learning experience. Right. There's been a, a thing that we've all faced this year, the pandemic. How easy has it been to, to do international stuff with uh, what's been going on across the world? You know what? It's been a it's, it's been a challenge, um, and we're navigating the, the the rules and restrictions as best we can, uh, just like everybody else. Where uh, where we uh, where we qualify for some of the exemptions, we do because we have cross border workers, um, and then the other times we, we have to um, live with the quarantine rules, and that's um, we do what we what we have to do. Rory, what about you? The pandemic has it presented any any major issues for you? It, it certainly has. Uh, we've got a big project going on in San Francisco at the moment, and none of my guys can travel to to attend to it so we're dealing with a quite a challenging situation um, in that we're coming up now to final stages of integration um, and we basically had to find a team locally in san francisco who can effectively be our smart hands on site um, which is again it's been a bit of a challenge to kind of work our way through a set of circumstances that we really couldn't see coming and we thought, you know, it's going to be easy. We'll be able to fly out when we need to do the final commissioning, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just not worked out like that. Again, it's been a, it's been a challenge, but we've, we've, we've figured it out. We found an excellent company to work with who've been fantastic. Um, super on the ball, really, in a, you know, totally you know, up to speed with everything that we're, we're doing. Um, and yeah, I, I really can't fault them. 
Uh, and that that actually came through one of our uh, integrator. So we're part of the Savant Integrator Forum globally, and they've been really, you know, the network has been superb to basically help each other out. You know, it's one of these things that I think it, it has the potential to work the other way at some other time. That's something I've definitely seen in the UK, people using the support network of other integrators to get on site when it's been particularly difficult or you need need somebody quickly, you can do that. I, but I wasn't aware that that was actually working overseas as well. That must be must be a great help for you. Yeah, I think being as, you know, we're, we're, we're 10 times smaller than IdeaWorks to give you perspective. So, you know, I, I think it's it's safe to say that they have a lot more coverage than we do. And so we've had to be a bit scrappy about getting problems solved. Um, and as I said, I, I've been quite, you know impressed that people have stepped up and really sort of offered to to help um and you know it's been it's been a really eye-opening and rewarding experience overall does any of that resonate with you phil any any particular issues where you've had to rely on local people to help you out yeah well our, our strategy all along was to, to build local teams where we know we're going to be for the long term uh, so in monaco and south of france we have a, a full team down there with covering sales project management engineering and programming um, in the Netherlands we, and Germany, where predominantly the super yachts are built, uh, we have uh, project managers um, and then our engineers uh, go out and stay normally on a two week rotation. We do they do 10 days on and then four days off. Um, but when COVID hit, um, one of our guys uh, stepped up and volunteered to just stay in Germany and keep working until uh, um, and, and so we could keep things ticking over. Everything slowed down because the yards did slow down. Uh, it never stopped. Everything kept, kept going. Um, but yeah, we had uh, one of our engineers really stepped up and, uh, and did a great job for us by actually staying in Germany uh, during the time. At least some projects were put on a, a temporary hold, but I'd imagine that's uh, near to impossible to do with a, with a boatyard. Uh, do you know what? Some did, some didn't. Some, uh, some, some have uh, hit the pause button uh, and some have, have kept going with COVID safe measures. Okay, okay. And the financing of those projects still, because they're fairly long term as well. Aren't, I mean, all, all residential projects are pretty long term, but still holding up in terms of, of payment schedules and everything else? Yeah, uh, delays were inevitable. Um, and so, uh, so we, we, we keep a close eye on that and manage the, uh, manage the cash flow. Um, but yeah, as, as the super yachts are, are two to three year contracts. Um, clients have committed the money, so we, we kind of we can be confident that it's it's all coming. It's just uh, it's just in, in due course. What about you, Rory? Is everything still holding up for you overseas? Um, yeah, overseas is it, I think it's one of those things because we're still in its infancy for us. Um, we haven't had any problems other than what I mentioned before uh, regarding the projects themselves and payments and stuff like that. I think in the UK, it's been slightly different. Um, we've seen a mixed bag, really, of, of, of projects here, things slowing down because of the various restrictions that the government have brought in and making sure that we can be COVID safe on site. Um, I, again, we've not, I think actually lots of people have been spending a lot more time at home. And so some projects that were either paused or on hold have suddenly come back to life again. Um, so it's been it's been a real mixture, as I said. So aside from the pandemic and, you know, let's hope it all gets sorted into next year at some point, hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, Phil, what other challenges do you think there are really if you if you want to build a business overseas? So I think the, the two big ones are probably logistics and currency. And so um, uh, logistics, moving stuff, equipment and people um to be in the right place at the right time is a challenge on any project wherever you are um but if you're going to be 
hundreds of miles away from your stockroom, you can't just pop back for a slightly longer HDMI lead. Um, so you need to take plenty of spares with you, your spare equipment, um, knowing that you will end up bringing some of that back, some back but that's okay. Um, and uh, and that's, the, that's the, really the challenge of, of logistics because um, project, the site managers will say that site's ready, then you turn up and it might not be quite as ready as they promised, um, but you've got return flights booked and you've got to be uh, you've got to be finished by the time uh, by the time your return flights book or you're going out again. So uh, there's the, the the communication with the site team is is key on the logistics. Side. Foreign currency, how how would you deal with that, Phil? Well, for foreign exchange fluctuations, you can forecast when you expect to receive, for example, some euros from your client, and then when you'll need to convert them back to pounds sterling. So you can speak to your bank or an independent forex broker to forward purchase the sterling at a fixed exchange rate, and that will give you the peace of mind that. When the live exchange rate changes significantly the wrong way, it won't eat in, into your margin. So it's pretty pretty quickly costs can escalate. From the time you run your quote to the time that you uh, um, receive payment, currency uh, exchange rates may have changed. And your client may ask you to uh, quote in the local currency because that if it's going through a main contractor, everything will be being done in the local currency. So, um, uh, so that's something else to look out for. What lessons have you learned so far, Rory? Yeah, um, having having coverage and protection where you are when you are working overseas and knowing that you've got fallbacks if things don't quite go to plan, a is is probably for us of, of paramount importance. Um, the currency issue is also a, a very important one. I, I resonate with Phil on that because clients can be quite difficult sometimes. You know, if you're dealing with large sums of money and suddenly the currency slides one way or the other and you've I don't know, let's say in our, in our case, most of the time we do price and, and charge people in pounds. Um, and we, we, we focus where we can on going client direct to, to with our contracts. Um, you know, there is sometimes a little bit of a, a bit of a shakedown from the client to try and see if we can maybe adjust our pricing to, to deal with the currency fluctuations. Although saying that the dollar is pretty stable, as we all know, um, we're considering that is where our real focus is. I'm finding that, um, you know we can we can segregate the two businesses that we have and, and therefore we're not so quite so exposed so rory can i ask you do, do do you do any currency hedging no we don't actually it's it's something that we, we don't do projects which are quite which are big enough yet to warrant it it's definitely something that i think as we as we grow it will become more important because you know we need to know that we've got liquidity in both businesses depending on you know if one is doing better than the other we might have to to move money around to for one to help the other out if you will um, and so that's definitely something that I think in the long run we will have to consider. But for the time being, it's not um, it's not pertinent. How big is the space that you've got in LA? Have you got stock holding? Have you got have you got space there to to grow into as well? So we have a we have an office in in Beverly Hills. Um, not a very big one, enough for sort of three people. Um, we don't at the moment we don't hold any stock there. We don't have any. Um, delivery elements yet that is the next stage um we're tendering on a handful of projects at the moment which um i'm hoping will will materialize um all of which are quite large and so i'm hoping that as i said when those start to drop uh, that will be the next step to to start looking at our logistics at looking how we're going looking at how we're going to deliver these solutions um over these longer term contracts Again, it's a bit of a build the plane as you fly operation, but actually that's part of the excitement in my mind is that you've got to work out what makes sense for what you're trying to do at that particular moment in time.
Ring are on a mission to make the home install market a bit better for installers and their customers. Introducing Ring X-Line. With six exclusive bundles available via AWE only to X-Line accredited dealers, X-Line combines world-leading security products with a lifetime Ring Protect subscription and an extended four-year limited warranty, all for a one-off cost. To find out more, visit connect.awe-europe.com forward slash X-Line. Let the pros lend a hand. Do you think do you think a UK business could be successful selling what you do to American customers? So far, the traction has been really good. Um, we are focused very much at the moment on generating a, a brand which uh, traverses um, UK and US um, demographics. I think that there is a propensity for Americans, particularly Californians, actually, to spend money on, t- on home technology. Um, if you c- c- compare it to the UK, where property prices actually for what you get are quite low. Um, I'll rephrase that. In in the UK, you could be looking in London at Mayfair, let's say, uh, you know, for a, a small 2,000 square foot apartment could cost you multi, multi, multi millions of pounds. In the US, in California and LA in particular, a 2,000 square foot apartment might cost you half a million dollars. So you could you can't really compare them in that in that way. But the what that then means is that there is a lot more um, money to go around to spend on things like home tech. So we're finding that a lot of the even smaller projects are still, um, they still have really good budgets simply because they're, you know, they don't have to stump up so much cash to buy the building or apartment or house in the first place. Um, what about for IDEAWORKS in the south of France, Phil? If you're based down in Monaco, how easy is it to sell being a British company to French people? Uh, it's taken. It takes time. It takes time to build a build a reputation. We've uh, we've we've had a showroom there for for four years, um, and it's uh, yeah, only just really starting to to build traction with those interior designers locally who know we're there for the long term. Um, I think there's also some cultural differences that we've learned along the way, um, which is when people spend time in Monaco, they spend it outside in the sun, not inside watching movies. So um, in our showroom, we had a cinema. Um, but our cinema sales um, didn't exactly hit our original expectations. So we've recently revamped the uh, uh, showroom, taken out the cinema and put in uh, a more creative lighting design display uh, because that's what people are interested in having in their, in their apartments and homes in Monaco. So one of our, our strategies is to, is to stay agile because what works for, for you in your home country may not work for you in another. That's a really good point. And I think outdoor living is a big part of the Californian lifestyle too, isn't it, Rory? It certainly is. You know, everybody, well, I say everybody, lots of people have swimming pools, uh, roof terraces, fire pits, all the usual trapping. So actually the projects that we have done out there, there's been a huge focus on delivering technology outdoors. Uh, something which we don't focus on quite so much in the, in the UK, as you can imagine. Um, I mean, that being said, you know, there are pe- people are starting to get creative in the UK with how to use their outside spaces year round. As I said, with you know awnings and being able to spend time undercover, but to be outside, some people seem to like that. Yeah, interesting. So uh, strategically, you've got um, you're still quite ambitious overseas. You don't have any kind of second thoughts about what you what you're doing, Rory. No, I think as I said, because it's still fairly early days for us. Uh, the uh, any sense of that I'm doing made the wrong decision haven't haven't kicked in yet so I'm hoping that you know we're we're at the beginning of the journey and not and not the end 
Um, and I, you know, as I said, we're already seeing such good traction that it fills me with confidence that that we do have something going here. We're not the first company either, not necessarily within home automation, but within other industries, interior designers, architecture firms, etc., who have made the same sort of journey to the to the US, whether it's New York or whether it's elsewhere. Um, we've actually found a couple of other companies who are who we're looking to partner with as being able to provide that sort of tri-city coverage um, across the world. So um, I'm, I'm hopeful in that regard that we'll also find other businesses who are keen to do the same thing. And obviously you've got to have really good people on the team that you trust to be able to, to do things three or 4,000 miles away, haven't you? Exactly. And trust is so important in this, well, in any business, frankly, but particularly in, in, in what we do, as I said at the beginning, that, you know, what we do for people is very personal in lots of ways. And if you're not able to translate that personal element from, you know, the team in the UK who've delivered a house here to the team in the US who are largely going to be responsible for delivering the house there, you could end up with a bit of a disconnect and your whole proposition kind of goes out the window quite quickly. Yeah, I think um, uh, with the end of the Brexit transition period looming in two months, everything's going to change. Um, and so uh, part of our plan is to recruit more local talent in Germany and the Netherlands uh, in a variety of roles. But we're also looking at an option um, to offer long-term secondments to our existing staff or new staff. So people from the UK, um, uh, send them over to uh, Amsterdam uh, for a year or two um, and, uh, and, and live and work out there, which uh, at the start of my career, I would have uh, jumped at the opportunity to do that. So if anybody's listening, do that sounds appealing to, then uh, please get in touch with us. Uh, Phil, you mentioned about the importance of building local networks. I mean, yeah, it's great to find local engineers, but it's also about getting those conduits to the clients, you know, the architects, the designers, the developers, the property people. Uh, how how easy is that to, to, to sort of land in another space and, and build those relationships? I think people will, uh, other, other integrators will find that they get... Uh, an offer to work overseas with a, an existing client on their holiday home and they'll meet an, uh, an interior designer um, during that process and that can be very exciting just think oh well we'll get recommendations and it'll build um, it still takes the time and uh, and the effort and the commitment uh, as it does in, in, in any company to uh, to really to really grow through that in the marine world, um, certain the big ship, uh, shipyards have uh, have an approved contractor list. And unless you're on those lists, you can't actually work in those yards. Uh, and it was only through a, a contact that we were enabled to get our foot in the door uh, and build our reputation with one of the uh, one of the bigger uh, shipbuilding yards. That now we're really pleased to say put us forward as a recommended uh, recommended contractor to their to their next next clients. So um, uh, it's it 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 takes time and and, and hard work um, and commitment. What do you think UK integrators can offer international clients? Why, why is it that a UK integration firm would be attractive to somebody in the south of France or somebody in, I don't know, south, Southern California even, Rory? I mean, selling British, is it still has a, uh, a certain ring to it. Um, despite the fact that I think that our government has not done great things over the last few years to help our reputation, people trust British people to to do good business and to deliver good and reliable solutions. Look at all of the sports car manufacturers that we are known for in this country. You know, um, people will buy an Aston Martin potentially over buying a Ferrari because it's British. And I think that 
in a way as just as businesses that are based here we have that cachet attached to what we do you've still got to be good don't get me wrong um but i think that there is certainly uh, that element of trust kind of built into the, to the name what do you think phil i mean ideaworks has been established for a long long time 35 years you said so do they have British brand attachment, do you think? I don't think it's necessarily British. I just think it's depth, depth and length of experience. Um, I think when you've been doing it for 35 years, um, you build an experience. And I think the UK market um, has been going longer and adopted home technology earlier than the rest of Europe. And so therefore, um, there are some fantastic companies uh, uh, on the continent that are that are building their experiences and doing some great work, but they're not as many as, as there are in the UK. Um, and that's why it's easier to export uh, our skills uh, over there. Okay. So um, what's, what's been your favorite project that you've worked on today internationally? That's a good question. Um, I, this sort of harks back to the slightly more uh, original days of what, what we used to do, which was a technology integration, not just into homes, but into businesses as well. And I actually was responsible for um, tidying up and a, a re rearranging and repurposing all the technology for a chain of nail salons, believe it or not, across the US. So it's 35 locations um, from Boston to New York to Rhode Island to Dallas to Los Angeles. Um, and essentially, we had the, the supplier or the company that I uh, started working with had um, a hodgepodge of different suppliers across all these different locations and what they were looking for was a consolidated solution so it took about two and a half years but we effectively came up with a blueprint um, which we then deployed location by location and that included existing locations and new locations um, to deliver a fully converged network between all the sites we deployed a huge you know, a, a via telephone system which again is not my specialty but we brought in the right team to do that um, CCTV audio system etc cetera, etc cetera. we actually tried we used some UK suppliers where we could so one of the brands that we took with us was Amina speakers the invisible speaker brand um, and the client was absolutely blown away by how good that product was and of course, there are other invisible speaker brands out there, um, some of which come from the US. But there was, I, th I suppose, a little bit of a, you know, we took that in as our kind of lead, one of our lead products. And the client was absolutely blown away, as I said. And it was, overall was a fantastic, a fantastic long-term uh, project. And we still do work for the client to this day. Have you worked on their house as well? Or is it just the nail salons? No, I have. So it was owned by a VC fund. And I've ended up doing three of their houses now. So all in Boston. Very good. And free manicure for life as well. Of course. Yeah, something my wife's very happy about. If we lived in the US, I'm sure she'd be there every week getting a, a, a friends and family discount. What project stands out for you, Phil? Uh, so we're understandably under non-disclosure agreements for, for, for many of our, our, our projects. Um, but one that we are allowed to talk about um, that we're really excited about is one called Rev Ocean. Uh, and this is, uh, this is a, a large super yacht that is uh, going to be half uh, super yacht luxury super yacht and half research expedition vessel um, wow. and so uh, it's currently being built in Norway uh, and when it launches uh, it will be the, the longest super yacht in the world I'll check that out and so does that involve a different kind of approach to the technology you're putting on there 
No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, the, the, the specialist scientific research uh, part of it is being done by the specialists. We're doing the bits that, uh, that we know what to do with. So um, uh, uh, there's a, a, a huge uh, uh, data network throughout. There are over 400 Wi-Fi access points on board. Um, and there's two lecture theatres. So within there, there's presentation systems. And then there are um, luxury cabins for when it's been chartered as a super yacht. Wow. And, and Technically, I mean, doing super yacht business is completely different to working on homes. Well, there are much stricter testing protocols that we have to go through um, to get sign off at each stage. So there is a, a factory acceptance test where um, the client's representatives will come to our um, uh, rat build facility and see the system working um, and the, the user interface and how it will work uh, live months and months and months before it's uh, due uh, on site. Then there is a harbour acceptance test where the system is tested again uh, while it's uh, before it sets sail. Then there are sea trials where we go, our engineers go off while the, uh, the vessel's been uh, um, on its, on its uh, trialling period to test the systems again. And then beyond that, they will usually have a, a dedicated ETO, electrotechnical officer, um, who is a full-time member of staff on board who, who gets taught how to use the system and they do the day-to-day -day maintenance um, of, the, of the system. So in the time of a pandemic, you've got to have people who are prepared to put up with being in isolation. If they've got to be there to actually physically see something, they can't get back. They've got to like take an extra two weeks in, or factor that into their, their process, I guess. No, they, well, they do. They, 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 they have to just uh, adhere to the quarantine um, uh, rules. Um, so, yeah, we had a, a team over from the Netherlands the other day um, uh, and they knew they, had to, they would have to isolate um, on their way back. Yeah, interesting. So what advice would you have, Rory, for anybody tempted to, to go out and uh, conquer America? Um, proceed with caution, I think. Um, the, the first thing, I suppose, is really around doing the business in a different place can be quite a different experience. While you may feel that you know a lot about um, a market um, in you know, your home country, doing business in, in anywhere really can, can be a challenge. And you just don't quite know the idiosyncrasies of what that location are going to be. Um, the US, I would have said, is a is a fairly easy hurdle because it's English speaking. Generally, people know what they're talking about when it comes to home technology, at least these days. Um, but as I said, you know, there are there are challenges with working overseas. Um, time difference is, believe it or not, a big factor. If you just need to have a conversation with somebody, you might have a very small time window each day to do it. Um, you know, that's just one example, really, of uh, something that you might enter into something thinking, oh, it can't be that difficult. But actually, it, it does get in the way of quite a lot of things. And Phil, what, what would you say? Yeah, we've got a few top tips uh, that we've learned along the way and that we'd uh, be very happy to share. Um, firstly, it's a, it's a boring but a very important one is to uh, check your insurances. Um, will they cover you in the country you plan to work in? So. Does your travel insurance cover your team members if they are having any accidents? You know, looking after the welfare of your team has to be top priority. Um, does your public liability cover you for any damage to clients' houses in another country? And are your goods in transit covered all the way from your stockroom to the client's house? So that's, uh, that's the first one, boring, but get that one out of the way. Uh, secondly, I'd suggest you try not to give a fixed price for travel accommodation and subsistence. Because if the project overruns, which most of them do, these costs can add up quickly and eat into your margin. So um, have a friendly conversation with the client at the start of the project. Say you aren't trying to make money out of expenses, but just ask for them to be covered 
Um, uh, and clients will usually accept that as it's reasonable. Um, we had one situation where we were working on a ski chalet and as the project was overrunning, it was moving into the ski season and hotels during ski season, the prices changed by four to five times. Um, and so uh, luckily we had the conversation with the client early and he, uh, we made sure everything continued as it should. And then thirdly, my, my final top tip is that in the UK, but this is for the UK market, but you are allowed to pay your team a tax-free daily subsistence allowance to cover food and drink while they're in another country. So there's maximum allowance that are published on the gov.uk website. If you Google HMRC worldwide subsistence rates, it'll take you to the relevant page. And everyone loves saving tax, right? Very good. Excellent advice. AWE are proud distributors of Sony televisions and home cinema projectors, bringing you the best content from lens to living room. For more information, visit awe-europe.com. Thank you, Rory and Phil, for your contributions today. Remember, we're available free on podcast platforms everywhere, and you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at IntHomePod, on Facebook and Instagram at Integrated HomePod, and on LinkedIn at the Integrated Home Podcast. The Integrated Home is brought to you with the support of AWE, Sony, Ring, and distributed by Meridian. We are a Wildwood production. The Integrated Home supports Together for Cinema. Together for Cinema is an AV industry movement that designs and installs cinema rooms in children's hospices across the UK. In these special places, children, their families, staff and volunteers are now enjoying fantastic movie experiences together. We want to build more rooms in more hospices for more children. To do that, we need your help. Visit togetherforcinema.co.uk and find out how you can be involved to help make short lives that little bit better.